Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Mindset Podcast, where we believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need just two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. I am your host, Maria Benz, and I am the founder of MBM Agency, a digital marketing company who helps service-based businesses grow their revenue using online strategies. And I am here to share with you all of my tips and pointers every single week when it comes to digital marketing and business growth. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Alice Default with me today. Alice is a Forbes 30 under 30 ex Microsoft, and her last startup sold for a hundred million. And on top of that, her current startup, Double, is making remote work easier for thousands of founders, executive, and assistants all around the country, which I know is super, super relevant right now. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. So Alice, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thanks for for having me. I'm super excited to be here too. Yeah. So before we jump in um, to all the juicy details, I wanted to ask you, tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, So I actually never dreamed of starting a company. You know, you hear all those entrepreneur stories where they're like, I wanted to start a company as a teenager. And then like, that's what I did. Um, for me, I, I actually majored in entrepreneurship at college, okay. not because again, I wanted to start a company because, but because it was a really good class setup. Like you didn't have a lot of classes. You only had like one day of class and then the rest of the week you would follow entrepreneurs and actually just work for them. Oh, wow. And I didn't want to go to school anymore. So it was just like a really good setup. Uh, and I, I fell in love with the mindset of, you know, being able to work on a lot of different projects, always working on things that were different, always learning new things. And so going out of that experience, I went to work for a couple of, of startups uh, where I was really lucky to both times be the first non-technical hire. So really exciting jobs where I could pretty much dabble with like so many things, uh, which was for me super interesting. And then eventually my company got acquired by, the company I was working for got acquired by Microsoft, uh, went to work there for a few a few years and loved it, but also missed that entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. of you know, being able to decide what you're going to work on, being able to build a team that you want to build, being able to work on the things that you want to work on. Uh, and so my co-founders and I, who had been working together for the past four years, left Microsoft together and decided to start our, our own thing um, because we had a problem that we were excited about and we wanted to solve it together. Wow, very cool. So did you get into working with Microsoft, that company that acquired or that Microsoft acquired kind of early on right after college? So um, that company was called Sunrise. So it was a, a calendar okay. app, one of the first B2C calendar apps that went to replace the, the normal iOS calendar app. Mm-hmm. I went there, yeah, not that that long after the end of college. Um, the company was all, already two years old. Okay or three years old, actually. Uh, And the team was quite big. There was already 12 people on the team, but it was only engineers and designers. And they hadn't made it until then because they were doing a lot of different things. Uh, And so I joined as kind of the person that does everything else. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. even have a job title. It was just like, do what no one else is doing. (laughs) That's your job, Uh, which was super exciting. 
And then the acquisition with Microsoft happened right at the time when I, I just had started joining. And so it was super early on. We kept the company for six, six months, started, kept working the same way. And then mm-hmm. finally, Microsoft was like, it, it doesn't make sense to have another counter app. Let, let's have you guys work on Outlook Mobile, which is their counter app. And so we, we went on and rebuilt the Outlook Mobile app from scratch, which was also just super exciting. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So when you and your, I guess now team of co-founders, when you guys made that decision to leave that company, I mean, that must have been nerve wracking, right? I mean, it was just because you're jumping into the unknown, right? And your Microsoft obviously is a very comfortable company to work for. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of benefits, in terms of work-life balance, in terms of, you know, you know, it's just going to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, that part was nerve-wracking, um, but I was also reassured by the fact that I had a really good team. We already have had uh, a couple of angel investors who were interested to to follow us and invest us. So that gave us, you know, some uh, comfort into the mm-hmm. fact that we weren't jumping completely with no net. And then the last thing was like we were actually so eager to to build products and focus on the, the problem that we tried to solve. Uh, we couldn't do that in Microsoft. It was, the team was getting so big and it was, it was very uh, enterprise focused. So everything was taking a bit more time gotcha. and we kind of just wanted to go smaller and faster again. So we were actually kind of excited of, of you know, jumping yeah. into, into the unknown. That makes sense. So tell me about your company now. What do you guys do? Yeah. So we started Double about two years ago, and we're a modern remote assistant service. Uh, So basically what we do is we help CEOs and their teams save time every day by matching them with, we call them doubles. So actual human beings based in the U.S., executive assistants who have at least five years experience Mm -hmm. uh, to get more done. So whether it's scheduling, travel, admin, a lot of different Mm. tasks. Um, And then on top of that, we're building tools for both our clients and our doubles to work better together. Um, So basically taking the classic executive assistant experience, um, but empowering these assistants with really good tools and making it super flexible and accessible for busy CEOs. That is so good. And that is so important. I think one, especially in the time that we're living right now, so many things are remote, but then also with, I'm like a founder of a company too. And I know just building out our team, I'm like, wow, that is so, so important. Especially, I love how you said everyone's already vetted their experience. Cause that is hard to find and hard. And I'm not the type of person. It's like hard for me to fully trust everything, especially if it's something so close and important to me. Um, so I love that. That sounds like it's just so relevant to today's time. Exactly. And I think, you know, the most productive people out there obviously have great tools, but they also, most of them rely on, on really good human beings. Mm-hmm. And when we started thinking about this idea of double and interviewing CEOs, they were all telling us that they wish they had someone, but just this idea of going out and finding that person, writing a job description, interviewing a lot of people for a role that they didn't even know was if they wanted it full time was just too much effort. And so they were, they would rather just keep doing everything themselves, which obviously long-term is just, just too much. Yeah. And so that's kind of the idea where we want it just to be easy to get started with someone who's going to be really good, uh, where we provide the best practices for you, even if you've never worked with an assistant before and we give mm-hmm. you tools. 
I love that. That is so, so important. But I also wanted to give you a huge congratulations on landing Forbes 30 under 30. I know that's so huge, I think, in any industry. (laughs) Um, So I know I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs kind of in the past on this podcast and people that I've networked before that have that on their bucket list within the next few years. So do you have any advice for them? What does that whole process look like? Well, there's th- thanks. Uh, it's really obviously an honor to be part of the list just because it's so well known and, and it's not that many people. So it, it is really a, a massive achievement. <laughs> the process is um, pretty mysterious to be completely <laughs> transparent with you. Like you don't really know what, how, it, how they actually make the decision. Um, the way I did it, so usually what they recommend is like someone needs to nominate you. Okay. Um, and so fill in a, a survey. And that's something that obviously some people will just, you know, go and nominate other people. But that's also something that you should definitely feel comfortable asking someone around you to do that for you, whether it's a uh, an investor, a fellow CEO, someone that you know who's uh, already been Forbes for under 30 um, mm-hmm. and ask them to fill out this survey for you. It's super simple and it's just about who the person is and, and why you think they should be nominated. That's the first step. And then step two is they send you this really long survey about who you are, what you believe in, how do you work, uh, a lot of different questions that you need to fill out. Mm-hmm. And then you send out that survey and then you don't hear about anything for <laughs> months. And then one day the article just pops out. They're like they don't even warn you before. Oh, really? You don't even know? Yeah. You're just like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I... um. I didn't even know. And so like a friend of a friend of mine saw the article before me. And so I, I learned that I was nom- like that was on the list for a friend who just t- texted me the screenshot. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that's, that's so funny. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny process. But I think the first step is definitely feel comfortable asking someone around you to nominate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that's already a good first step. Yeah, and kind of go from there. That makes sense. So as I mentioned a little bit prior to when we started recording, and my podcast is called the Marketing Mindset Podcast, specifically naming that because I believe that in order to have a successful business, you need two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. So I was wondering, what was your main mindset struggles when you kind of left your previous company, jumped on here um, to start growing your business, and then how did you overcome it? I had a lot of struggles when starting. Obviously, everything is so new. The main one, I think, for me was about focus, about Mm -hmm. knowing what you need to focus on as a team. I don't know if it's the same for all our companies, but for us, who my team is very product-driven, and so we get excited about a lot of different product problems out there, and we want to solve everything because we believe that, you know, with with good design and good, good product, you can solve a lot of different problems. And so we kind of went in and wanted to solve all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, obviously is, is a good thing to have too many problems to solve, but it's also a massive way to lose focus. It's a massive risk to lose, to lose focus. And that was one of probably the biggest mis- mistake we did at the beginning of now having this mindset of, of we want to solve this one thing and we want to do it really, really well. We mm-hmm. were kind of like, we want to do all these different things. And obviously when you're doing too much, it's really hard to do it well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing that 
probably lost us or made us made, made, made us lose the most time when we started of finally figuring out this one thing that we really, really wanted to solve. We've gotten way better at it right now. It's still something that's you need to be super mindful about it because it's so easy to lose focus, especially in times like this when everything is crazy and you're, you start questioning your entire company and, and what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, the way we solved it is just, yeah, I think being mindful about it and, and forcing ourselves, you know, staying accountable for each other of like, what is the one thing we need to do right now mm-hmm. and keep iterating and refining our mission, our vision, our goals to make sure that they were as detailed as possible mm-hmm. um, and just removing like 20% of stuff on our roadmap. Yeah. Like yeah. I can relate. I can relate with that so much. I, when I started too, I was kind of in a similar thing. I wanted to do all, all of the things, all the things. And even speaking to my entrepreneur friends, I feel like when everyone starts, they want to focus on so many things. They want to solve all the things. And you think it's counterintuitive to just focus on one thing. Cause you're like, well, I'm serving, you know, less amount of people with this one thing. But at the same time, if you'd focus on that one thing, you can become so good at it better than everyone. And then I know that when I started doing that in my business, that's when I've seen a huge, um, kind of spike of growth in my business. And I think it's so, it's like such an easy thing to forget, but it's so important. So I love that you mentioned that. No, exactly. And I feel it's, it's the number one advice that you read online. Like, you know, when you're like, how to start a startup, people just Mm -hmm. say like, number one, focus on one thing and do it really, really well. And so you read it everywhere, but weirdly enough, when you're doing it yourself, it's just, at least for me, it was just so hard to integrate that and, and be like, Oh, this is actually the truth until I made the mistake and realized Mm -hmm. what was the impact of not focusing. So it, it is tricky until you've actually experienced it. I know. I I can totally relate. Um, So your current startup, Double, is making remote work easier for thousands of founders, executives, and assistants around the country, which is super relevant right now. Um, And I've seen so many articles recently within the last week of companies kind of scrambling to try to get everything together for their employees during this whole coronavirus crisis. Um, So I wanted to ask you, what are a few things that you found that works for your employees or for your customers when working remotely? So there's a lot of of different things. I think obviously there's the first part, which is, which are the basics of get a real setup. Don't work from your bed or your computer, Mm -hmm. get an actual screen, get a desk, like super basic things. But if you want to work from home or remotely, it's, you need to do it well uh, and don't think that it's, you can just wing it, I think. So take the time to prepare for it and, and, and set yourself up. Um, that's like the basics. Number two, which for me is super important and I tell my team that all the time and I tell all our doubles, which are all working remotely as well all the time, is um, be super strict about your schedule. It's so easy when you're ro- working from home to do a bit before breakfast and then this, check your emails super late at night and then, you know, kind of be working all the time. And Mm -hmm. that's super complicated for work-life balance, I would say. And it's really easy to kind of lose track of that when you're not physically leaving the office to go home or physically leaving home to go to the office. Mm -hmm. Um, So one way to to manage that is just to be be super strict and have actual hours of when you work. Um, If you do work super well, like super early in the morning or super late at night, that's completely fine and and go for it. But make sure that you have other times when you're not working at all and you're disconnected and, and 
and people know that you're not going to be responsive during those times. And the last thing I would say, and that's something that I'm emphasizing a lot more right now is obviously when you're remote, it's all about communication, about, Mm. you know, staying in touch with everyone else on your team, with the people you're working with. And so there is a tendency to be very much on Slack, on emails, just Mm -hmm. trying to use all these tools all the time. One thing that I, 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 that is important is that you still keep time for yourself away from all these communication tools to actually focus and get work done because that's how you're going to be feeling productive at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And if you have notifications going out like all the time, it's, it's really hard to do that. Uh, and so make sure that you keep focus time or time away from communication tools and just let your team know that during certain hours, they won't, you won't be able, they won't be able to get an answer from you mm-hmm. because you're actually getting work done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that question. And kind of tying in with that, I was also going to talk to you about work-life balance because I know working remote and I think like, it's funny, I feel like the whole world is starting to ro- work remotely right now if they can. And I know in the beginning, that's so hard to kind of find that work-life balance. So I know you touched a little bit upon it with kind of creating that schedule, not checking your emails at certain times. Is there anything else that you would recommend, maybe like some certain systems or processes that you've seen work really well for you and your team? Sure. Uh, a few different things. I mean, the first, the first thing I say is, and I work mostly with entrepreneurs and, and or, or freelance that are kind of, you know, very similar to entrepreneurs or founders. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is it's not because you're a CEO or a founder or freelance that you don't deserve to have a life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, you know, massive hustle culture yeah. of if you're a founder, then you need to do everything and you need to do it all the time. You need to work nights, you need to work weekends. But starting a company or starting a business isn't a, a sprint. Like it's not a short-term thing. And so you also need to make sure that you're, you're going to last long-term mm-hmm. in terms of just mental health, mental wellness, just all these different things. Uh, so it, it is super, super important to keep time for yourself, no matter what, to just recharge, sleep, get some rest, mm-hmm. disconnect, get fresh ideas. Um, yeah. Don't try to, op- to optimize your time all, all, all the time. I would say like n- number one tip that's not too actionable, but just something to keep in mind of just be okay to not always be working. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's for, I'm French. So that's probably also my French. I where, 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 because we take vacation all the time. <laughs> but I try to keep in mind actionable things for me have been about one thing that's really changed the way I work is about, I track everything that I do in my calendar. So not only my meetings, but every time I work on a task, I put it in my calendar. And at the end of the week, I do a review of everything that I've done this week, item by item. And I try to figure out which ones I could have delegated, which ones I could have not done Mm -hmm. and which ones, which ones I need to keep doing. And (laughs) review doing that has really helped me figure out if I'm working on the right things. Mm -hmm. If I'm, making progress on my actual goals. Like quick example, a few months ago, we're not hiring right now anymore, but a few months ago, my focus was recruiting and I thought I was recruiting, but when I was actually looking at my calendar and doing this review, I was spending probably 20% of my time on recruiting. And then I noticed that I was spending like, you know, 30% of my time on products. And Mm. in my mind, I was like, Oh, I did like so many interviews this week. So I, I'm moving forward, but actually when you see the data, you're like, oh, actually it's not mm-hmm. my main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really helped me 
knowing if I'm I'm actually doing what I say I'm going to do. I love that because at the end of the week, I do review the tasks that I've done. But one thing that I don't do that I think I'm going to take um, from now on is seeing what did I do that I could have had someone else do? Because I'm sure, because I'm I still struggle with that of like, giving away certain tasks, you know, and kind of interesting, maybe someone else or just like, I don't know, because I want to do it or if I'm used to doing it a certain way. And I know that there's tasks on my list that I could probably give out and focus my time on more like money making activities or things that are actually getting me to my goals. So I think because I review it, I think like every quarter, but now I'm like, okay, at the end of every week, I'm going to do that. Okay. But like this task I could have passed on. So next week I'm going I'm to exactly. do that. There's this stat that they, they did this research and 30% of executives time uh, is, is used to do things that are either like super low level tasks that could have been automated or things that could have been delegated. And that's crazy because if you think about it, it's like every Thursday at noon, at noon, like you stop your work and you, for the rest of the week, you do things that could have been delegated. So you're basically losing a day and a half of your time every single week, Yeah, uh, which you could have spent exactly what you said on like generating revenue for your business, working on long-term projects, helping grow your team, like so many things that would have way more value than doing your scheduling, booking your trips, doing your yeah, admin, yeah. all those, those different things. Wow, that's an interesting stat, especially to look at it like a day and a half of, yeah, that's crazy. Was it for you, was it for you hard when you first began, like to take off time off, to take weekends off or to take even evenings off? It was for me at least easy to take them off, but it was hard to feel okay about it. So mm. I would take the time off, but then in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, you should be checking emails or like other people work super late. Why are you not working late? And if I wasn't working on the weekend, I would be like, you know, someone is going to work the weekend and they're going to go get ahead of you and you're, you know, you're missing out on stuff that you could do. And that lasted for the entire beginning of my business. I was always feeling guilty about taking mm -hmm. time off. And so you're not actually taking time off if you're feeling guilty about it. So it's always a weird feeling. Now I feel way more comfortable about it because I also know what's important to me. And I know that, and that might be different. Some people work all the time and feel great about it. And I, I admire that. Um, for me, I know that I get, uh, I, I need rest and I need to take time away from my business to think about it clearly. And so I knew that it was crucial for me to take this time off. And so now I feel way better about it because I know why I'm doing it. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's really helping helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I also encourage my team to do it as well. And so that's also helped me feel less guilty about it weirdly because, um, <laughs> it's, it's something that we share together of like, it, it is good to take time off. It is good to work remotely from time to time and shut off Slack so that you're like deep focus on what you want to do or, you know, take a afternoon off to, go out and take a walk or do different things or meet, meet different people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's also what's going to bring value at the end of the day. Yeah. I can really, I, in the beginning, I think I worked so, so much and I was like, Oh, weekends or whatever. You know, I worked, I feel like around the clock almost. And I like completely burnt out, but now I feel like it's like so sacred because <laughs> now I know like it's so important to take that time off. Cause like you said, you, you just get a refresher, you get cr more creative. I feel like that way. And it's so important, but I was kind of the same way. I felt so guilty if I <laughs> took anything It's hard. Off. 
I know. It's hard. And I, I also feel like a lot of the models that we give to people about entrepreneurship, like all the stories that you hear about people who've made it are people who were stuck in a garage for you know, a year coding day and night or people that just are always on. And you don't get that many stories about entrepreneurs who shut their computer off at 6 or 7 p.m. and get weekends and take mm-hmm. vacation. Uh, and that's hard because if you were doing that, then you don't have anyone around you to identify mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. So. I know we should we should start bringing that into light being <laughs> the new <inspiration>. exactly. <laughs> so, what is next for you in 2020? Obviously, it is a bit complicated for us to project ourselves um, at the moment, just That's because true. a lot of things are going to be changing. What for me is important right now and is going to be important until the end of the year, obviously, is one just keep my team motivated and engaged and make sure that we're all going through this crisis and what's going to come out of the crisis together. Mm-hmm. As you know, I think it's a good opportunity weirdly to be stronger as a team. And so make sure that that actually happens, that people don't feel um, lonely or disconnected from what we're doing. The second thing that's super important for me is making sure that our current clients are stay engaged and satisfied and that we keep bringing them value. Mm-hmm. especially right now because everything is crazy for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something that I want to focus on. We were supposed to go come out of self mode uh, later this month. We're kind of rethinking how that's going to work, especially right now. But eventually during 2020, the goal is also kind of to just expand to more users, be available to, in more cities and in, in, in more, just address more, more clients. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. Hopefully we can do it uh, quickly. And then keep figuring out what's the best delegation experience possible from just a customer success point of view, but also from a product point of view. Mm-hmm. My team is mostly engineer and designers iterating on products to help both our clients and our doubles. And so mm-hmm. there's also so much work to do on that. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people connect with you online? So I'm not on Instagram, but I'm on Twitter at uh, Alice underscore defaults. And then for our website, you can find us at withdouble.com. And on social media, we are at I'm with double. Cool. Cool. We'll add your links down below in the podcast show notes so that people can connect with you. But thank you so much for joining me today. I love chatting with you and kind of learning a little bit more about your business and your journey. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Yeah, you're welcome. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today and I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset.